right, well, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to launch into this today. The Lord is going to do a work in your heart here at the end of the service. We're going we're gonna to be laying hands on some folks. So I want you to prepare your heart for that. Say, Lord, I, I want you to work in me and move in me today. And be ready to respond to the word of the Lord today. We've, we've had such an encounter with the Holy Spirit here in our building the last couple of weeks. But I believe what the Lord is doing in here, he wants to take out there. So we've been talking the last few weeks about purpose, indestructible purpose, realizing that you were created for a reason. I was a little bit afraid that my sermon was about to get preached earlier. Um, you were predestined. You were not an accident. Right? What my mom told me a long time ago, she was talking about my little brother. She said he wasn't an accident. He was a surprise. You are not an accident. The Lord knew you from the creation of the world. He knew that you were going to be born. He knew you'd be here this morning. He has a plan and a purpose for your life. You were created for a reason. So then we get the question, what is my purpose? Right? Valid question. Sometimes we feel full of purpose, but I may have have ever gone through seasons of your life where you just you're not sure what your purpose is you almost feel a little bit lost for honest that's been all of us from time to time and so as we've been looking through this the kind of the outline for this sermon series is three things it's identity ability and community that's where we find purpose. And when we start with identity, a lot of times when you're talking about self-help things and finding my purpose, you start with you. What is your identity? Who do you feel like you really are? And if you have noticed, we, we're three or four weeks into this series now, and we have yet to talk about, like, who do you really feel like you are? Because that's not where we start with purpose. We start with identity, and we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, is who is Jesus? That's the beginning place of this. Who is Jesus? And we discussed that. Then last Sunday, we talked about your identity. Who are you? But it's not who are you and who do you feel like you are. It's who does the Lord say you are, which is completely different. Sometimes you think you're something that you're not. Sometimes you believe the opinions of other people about you. And it contradicts what the Lord says about you. Your true identity, the person you really are, lies in one thing. It's in who the Lord says you are. And so this week, if you follow along with our daily devotions, that's really what it dived into. Who does God say you are? The kids at church camp, they sing this song all the time. I am who God says I am. And I love it. I should get Michaela and Micah Rose up here to perform it for you. They're, they're incredible. They, they get going with it. That's identity. But this week, we're going to actually launch in a little further. Now that you understand who you are in Christ, we're now going to talk about your ability. What is it that you are supposed to do? Because, you know, me and you, we're not going to do the same thing, are we, Will? Come on, that's this guy. He's all on it. He's on it. In a sense, yes, you're right. We're going to talk about that. 
In Ephesians chapter 2, in verse 10, this is what it says. It says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I have five points right here. One, you are his workmanship. Like there is a master craftsman, and he is very skilled at what he does. I, I fully enjoy when I go to Silver Dollar City and you get to watch like the glass makers or the blacksmiths or the woodworkers, and they, they're just doing their craft. And they, they come up with these things, and you look at them, you're like, wow. Like I could never do that. I, I don't even understand how you made that happen. And, and it's amazing and it's beautiful. Do you realize that the creator of the universe is a master craftsman? And guess, guess what part of his workmanship is? You. Like, like, get out your phone, turn on selfie mode, and take a look at it. Right? It says in Genesis chapter 1 that you were created in the image of God. Like, he was like, you are beautiful. You are wonderful. You're my workmanship. You were created in Christ Jesus, which is part of what we were talking last week, that your identity isn't, well, I'm Drew. No, it's like, I'm Jesus. That's part of what I was talking about earlier. Is like we die to ourselves, and we live in Christ. We take up our cross, and we follow him. So I'm his workmanship, and I find my true identity when I realize that I'm created in Christ Jesus, but why was I created? For good works. Now, wait a minute, Pastor Drew. I thought you said that we were not about all these works things. Like, I thought it's by grace that we're saved and not works. That's true. Works will never save you. Well, Pastor Drew, I thought, I thought we didn't have to do anything to earn favor with God. That's absolutely true. That's what we spent the last two weeks talking about. But also, now that you realize that, Guess what? God has a purpose for your life, and he has something that he wants you to do. I don't know if you were like me. I, I enjoy a snow day or two. But you get very far into them, I get a little stir crazy sitting at home. It's called cabin fever, right? I, I need to go do something. Come on, girls. We're going to the community center. Why? Because I said so. Like We're getting out of this house. At some point, we realize I can't just sit here and go through this mundane stuff. I have to do something. I was created to do something. That, that sense of longing you have to do more, that's a God-given thing put inside of you, not just to make you miserable, but to spur you on to do the thing that he's called you to do. And it, as we talked about earlier, God prepared these things for you to do beforehand, before wind. Before you were ever born, before he even created the world, he had works prepared for you to do. He has a plan for you, and guess what he wants you to do? He wants you to walk in them. What does that mean? He means he didn't just make them as a suggestion like, here, this might be something good. Try this out. No, he, he created it like, hey, here's, here's what I've created for you to do. I want you to actually do it. I want you to walk in it. And so all of us have to remember this one big thing. You are his workmanship. Say that. I am his workmanship. Say it again. I am his workmanship. I love that. I am his workmanship. Some days we don't feel like that when we wake up. Some days we wake up and say, I am 
a man in desperate need of coffee. I am irritated at my spouse. I am wondering why these kids will never listen to me. I like we say like we don't wake up often and go I am his workmanship. Wait a minute. That means he has something that he wants me to do today. There's something he's created for me to do today. I am his workmanship. You guys are his workmanship. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 25. Yeah, I got a little bit of a hum coming through something. In Matthew chapter 5, we're going to start in verse 14. It says this. Jesus is talking. He says, for it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted them his property. To one he gave five talents. See, five talents. I, I want you to know that a talent is a, a lot, a lot. A lot of money. It's about 20 years worth of money. Wouldn't you like that? Hey, the master just gives you, I mean, here you go. That, how many know that guy must really trust that servant to give him five talents, a lifetime supply of money there? To another, uh, excuse me, I got lost. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them and made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But the one who had received one talent went and dug in the ground and hid the master's money. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents, and here I've made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little, which I don't mean a little, golly. Um, I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of of your master. And he also said, and he also who had the two talents came forward saying, Master, you've delivered to me two talents. Here I've made two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you do not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here 
you have what is yours. But his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant, you know I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scatter no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent oh, so take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents, for everyone who has will more be given, and the one excuse me, and he will have abundance, but the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away and cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is a really, it's a lengthy parable Jesus told. But I think this is incredible for a lot of reasons. First of all, like it says that the Lord gave to each one according to his ability. Like the Lord invests in you according to your ability. You know why? Because you're his workmanship. Like he trusts you. Even to the one he only gave one talent, that's still a lot of money. And he gave to each one according to his ability. And even though we know the Lord sees the end from the beginning, even though, even though he knew that that one servant would just go and hide the money. He still gave him the opportunity to do more than that, didn't he? That's what's crazy. The Lord will actually give you more grace than you deserve. He'll give you more ability than you actually need. He'll put more desire in your heart than you're able even to work with. And it's not on him whether or not you end up walking in purpose or not. It's actually all on you, whether you're going to be obedient. And you've heard that word over and over this morning, obedience, 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 right? We hear it a lot. One thing that we've, we've talked about is, is doing. That was one thing last week, if you're doing our devotionals, we talked a lot about doing, doing, doing. Last week in our sermon, we actually said we falsely find purpose in doing. It's not the doing that brings you any purpose. It's the obedience that brings you purpose. Like all the religious leaders of Jesus' day, they were so busy doing, and they actually forgot about obedience to the Lord, to the Father. And Jesus said, you know, the only thing I do is the thing that the Lord, that my Father tells me to do. Jesus is saying, I know what it looks like I'm doing doesn't match what you think I should do, but what I'm doing is being obedient, And and that's got to be the question of our lives is, are we obedient with the talents that God has given us? And that's crazy because actually this word talent, you're like, that's funny that that word talent is the, like, here it's money, but in our culture it's like a gifting you have. That's, That's actually where we stole the word from, was from this story right here in the Bible. Your talent. What has God given you? Some of us think our talents are all about us. Like God has blessed me with this so people would recognize me. I put this as one of my points today. Some of us falsely believe purpose is about us. God has given me a purpose so I will feel 
like I have purpose. I have purpose so I can feel good about myself. And don't get me wrong. When you have a good sense of purpose, you do feel a lot better. Like it's like, man, I just feel so much purpose right now, right? It feels good. It's not about you. Right? It's not about you. We think it's about us. That's why that one servant went and took his talent and just hit it because he's like, uh, I got I to gotta save myself. Like, my master is a harsh man, and I don't want him to think I use my talent wrong, so I'm just going to hide it to preserve myself. I'm not going to take any risk with my talent at all. Some of us might take the risk with our talents and falsely believe that the profits we earn are about us. But who do all the profits go back to? All of them go back to the master. Like everything belongs to the Lord. Any gain we have from using our ability, all of it belongs to the Lord. And what's crazy is then even after we give it all back to him, he's like, yeah, but here's some more. Like it's, you, it's this weird cycle of, Lord, I'm going to, he, he invests in us, and then we give back to him, and he's like, oh, great job, and he gives us more, than, and then we give it back to him, and it's this back and forth of, God, I'm just going to continue to give you what I have, and he continues to bless you back. It's incredible. My question is, what, what talent has he put inside of you? Go with me to Luke chapter 22. And if you follow us along, if you follow along with us this week in our daily devotions, there's going to be a lot of time spent on, like, thinking about your desires and your passions. Do you, those things that God has put, your, put in your heart, he's put inside of you. Those aren't accidental. Those are talents that he's deposited in you. In Luke chapter 22, verse 31, it's this story, and, and it's, it's the Last Supper, and Jesus is sitting there with, with Peter and the other disciples, and he turns to Peter in the middle of the meal, and he says, Simon, Simon, behold... Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. That's the t he wants to shake you violently. That's got to be encouraging if you're Peter. Jesus goes on to say, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. And Peter said to him, Lord, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. And Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day until you deny me or deny three times that you know me. I, I, I fully believe what Peter said here to Jesus. Like, I think he fully meant it. In that moment, he's like, Jesus, I'm with you. I'll go with you to prison. I'll go with you to death. I think it was in his heart. His passion was there in the right place. And Jesus is like, yeah, except. 
And then what happens? They come, they arrest Jesus. As they're trying to arrest him, I mean, swords get drawn, ears get cut off, which is completely opposite of what Jesus was trying to do. And Jesus gets arrested, and as they're questioning Peter, like, like, aren't you with this guy? Aren't you with Jesus? And Jesus is like, no, I don't, no, I'm not. And someone else, I, I'm sure, I'm sure I saw you with him. You, you, you look like one of them. No, it's not me. One of the other gospels tells us that as he denied Jesus the third time, like that he and Jesus' eyes locked as the rooster crowed. Like he's denying him the third time. There's Jesus bound, and as the rooster crows, he looks across the courtyard, and their eyes lock. And Peter remembers Jesus saying this very thing right here. And it says that Peter runs off weeping bitterly. And then as Jesus is taken and beaten and hung on a cross, publicly executed, hung naked, Before a crowd, his disciples scatter and hide to the point when Jesus rises from the dead, which he told them over and over again, on the third day, I will rise from the dead. They're so disheartened to watch the crucifixion and the beatings and everything. It so affected their heart that they did not believe there's any way this man can rise from the dead. And so when Jesus rises from the dead, they're hiding, cowering, locked behind closed doors, afraid that the people who attacked Jesus will now come for them. Think about that. This is What did Peter say? He said, I'll go to prison even to death with you. And here he is cowering behind a closed door. How, how much of a betrayer does he feel like he is? I mean, and they all know what happened to Judas. I, I can't help but think that Peter's thinking, I'm, how am I any different than Judas? It doesn't say that in the Word of God, but I, if, if, I, if it were me, I'd be like, like, I told him I'd be there with him. I told him. I told him I'd go to prison with him. I'd go to death with him, and I just turned my back on him, and I ran. Why? Because a teenage girl said, hey, yeah, you're, you were with him. You're one of them. Y'all, Peter's a complete failure right here. He completely failed Jesus. On the third day, Jesus rises from the dead. No one's there. And when the women go to anoint his body as was customary in their culture, they, f they find the tomb open and it, it shocks them. And the angel looks at them. You know what he says? He says, he is not here. He is risen. That's where you shout amen. Anytime someone says Jesus is alive, as we shout. Oh, we'll try it again here in a little bit. The angel says, he is not here. He is risen. 
Come on. And he says, go and tell the disciples and also Peter to meet me. Like, he specifically says, go tell the disciples and also Peter. Like, like that man needs to know specifically. Can you imagine as the women ran in, he said to tell you guys and and then one of them looks at Peter and says, and he specifically said to make sure you knew. And I can only imagine Peter's heart as he breaks and he says, he told us. He told us he would rise from the dead. And I failed him, and yet his grace and his mercy on me is such that even though I completely turned my back on him, that he still loves me. He still has a plan and purpose for me, y'all, even in failure, we still have purpose. Even if you completely reject Jesus, you still have purpose. Even if you hear this message today and you say with your heart, yes, Jesus, I'm going to faithfully serve you with my purpose and you go out tomorrow and you get wasted and you hook up with prostitutes and you do all the bad things you still have a purpose and it lies in Jesus Christ like like he doesn't like oh, throw up my hands and say now obviously Obviously, we want to be the servant that's a good steward of the talent that we're given. Obviously, that's who we want to be. But sometimes, how many know sometimes we screw up? But you remember Jesus' prayer for Peter? His prayer for Peter was, I have prayed for you that, that your faith would not fail. I have prayed for you that your faith would not fail. And Guess what? Jesus had faith in Peter because he said this, and when you return, strengthen your brothers. And when you return, strengthen your brothers. So they're standing there locked in that room, and the women are coming in saying, Jesus is alive. And, and Peter looks at John and says, we have to go see this thing for ourselves. And they run to the tomb, and they find it empty, just like the women said and I can't help but think at that moment, G Peter saying, okay, Jesus, pray that my faith would not fail. It's time for me to turn to my brothers and start strengthening them. And in that moment, realizing I still have purpose. Jesus gave me purpose, and, and he's not done with me. Even though I completely rejected him, Jesus is not done with me. And I'll tell you this morning, even if you've completely rejected Jesus, even if you knew that he said, Robert, I want you to do this thing, you completely have walked away from it, that he still has that purpose for you. Whatever it is that God has called you to, and it might seem like a dream long gone by, like it's never going to happen now. Because I've not been faithful. Can I tell you, the Lord will, can still use you for his purpose. He is not done with you. How do I know? Where's the team? Will you come on up?
Jesus gathers up his disciples, and in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Let me tell you what Jesus is saying to his disciples. He's just about to ascend into heaven, which is also a crazy thing to think about. Y'all, we actually believe that a man rose from the dead and then ascended into heaven. But before he left, he looked at Peter, the one who rejected him, and he said, you will be my witness. I'm going to give you a purpose. Here's your purpose, to declare me. And guess where you're going to declare me? First of all, right here in Jerusalem where you denied me. Like right here. And Peter, maybe now he's a little more self-aware. He's like... That's going to be hard because I, I know me, and sometimes I get, I get a little scared. And Jesus said, it's not going to be you that's doing it. I'm going to empower you with the Holy Spirit. Ladies and gentlemen, part of the reason we struggle with our purpose is we try so hard to make it happen on our own. Well, the Lord's called me to do this thing, so I have to make it happen. I have to make it work. And we work and we work and we try, but we don't do it empowered by the Holy Spirit. I've heard a lot of sermons on the Holy Spirit growing up. And a lot of them say that if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, then you'll speak in tongues. That could happen. Absolutely, agree with that. But that's like the whole sermon. Do you realize the reason you're filled with the Holy Spirit is so you can be empowered to tell other people about Jesus so that you can be his witness? You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you so that you can do what? Speak in tongues? No, so you can lay hands on the sick and they be healed? No. So you can do what? So you can... Raise the people from the dead? No. Now, do we believe in all those things? Yes. But why are we filled with the Spirit? So we can be empowered to be witnesses of Jesus. So we can be empowered to walk out our purpose. Well, part of my purpose is to lay hands on the sick and they recover. Then do it. But in do it empowered by the Holy Spirit to point people to Jesus. You guys tracking with me this morning? Here in just a moment, we're going to lay hands on some folks to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Here's the reality of what's been going on in this house the last several weeks. The Lord has been moving, and He's been stirring. And His purpose isn't just for us to keep it inside these four walls. He's called us to be witnesses. He's called us to be laborers into the harvest. This is not part of my sermon. This is a prophetic word over this house. And it's on Isaiah chapter 61. And this is what it says. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. Why? Because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. 
on the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn, to grant those who mourn in Zion, to give them beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of a faint spirit. That they may be called oaks of righteousness. The Lord wants to fill us with a spirit this morning so we can declare good news to our community today. I'm going to ask you to come this morning. I, I, even if you're like, I don't know if I really feel like it. Listen, I'm going to ask you to come and just say, Lord, fill me with your spirit. Fill me with your spirit. Empower me with boldness, Lord, to declare your word. And then with everything else we got going on, and, and, and there's these de devotions for week three, and there's some great stuff there. But what you need more than this is just to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Like, like you can be filled with the Holy Spirit and all this just goes out the window, right? Like, I worked really hard on these devotionals and stuff. You get filled with the Holy Spirit, you don't need any of my, my resources at all. That's humbling. You have purpose. I don't care what your past looks like. Will you stand with me? I don't care how many times you've failed. I don't care how many times that you've done the opposite of what God has said you, for you to do. This morning you have a purpose. And if you have any fear at all, like, man, I'm not sure I can carry it out. I'm telling you, you can, but only through the power of the Holy Spirit. Will you join me in, this, in the front this morning and just lift our hands and our hearts and say, Holy Spirit, fill us with your spirit. Fill us with your spirit this morning, Lord.